When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 281 of the podcast. It is Sweeping America, the Aerotora Sports Podcast. It is Monday, August 17th, 2020, people. And when I call this the podcast that is Sweeping America, it truly is living up to its name as we are coming off a record-setting week last week. Obviously, there was no show on Thursday for people who are new to the show. Traditionally, I do a show every Monday and every Thursday, but last week between the Mick Cronin interview and more importantly, everything going on in the landscape of college sports, I put out new episodes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday as the conversation evolved, and you guys loved it. Thank you to all of the new listeners who have subscribed. Thank you to all of you who have been with me since day one and have supported me, even at times where maybe you don't necessarily agree with me, maybe you don't even necessarily agree with me on this, but thank you all for your support. Last week was, without a doubt, the most successful week in the history of this show. I tweeted it out the other day, but Monday, uh, second most downloads in the history of the show for one single day, second most downloads ever for one single day. That record stood up until Wednesday when, again, the second most downloads ever for this show. So Monday's show, second most downloads ever, eventually topped by Wednesday's show. And I want to thank you guys for your support. I have told you, if you believe in what I am saying, if you believe that there is only one side of the narrative being shared in college athletics right now, please share this podcast. Please share my stuff with your friends on message boards, tag people on Twitter. And that is exactly what you've done. So I want to thank you guys. I also did tweet and also put this on Instagram. But last week, the show got up to about a uh, hundred or so in terms of the top sports podcasts uh, in all of sports. Uh, we I caught I caught it at number one twenty one. We were ranked the number one twenty one podcast in sports, but I think that was actually uh, like midday Thursday, late Wednesday, something like that. When obviously a lot of new subscribers had already come in and listened, I believe someone told me that it got up to around one hundred. So thank you guys for your support. I mean this podcast is growing organically. It's growing growing naturally. Uh, The folks at KSR do an incredible job of helping me promote this, but when you're topping shows from ESPN, when you're topping shows from CBS and all the major outlets, it shows that people care and your message is being delivered. So thank you all for your support. And uh, we got another great show today. Let me just put it to you this way. I am not getting, I'm not taking my foot off the pedal of this college football conversation. Whether you agree, whether you disagree, whether you like me or you're not, or you don't, you know where I stand. And we are going to continue this conversation because it was a truly fascinating week in the world of college football. For those of you who are maybe traveling or offline, 
a lot of parents in the Big Ten are really upset with the decision that was made by the conference last week to cancel football season for the fall, bring it back in the spring. The parents at Ohio State, at Iowa, at Nebraska, at Penn State, at Michigan have all put out statements condemning the Big Ten and demanding answers. Justin Fields, the star quarterback, so much credit to him, putting out a petition saying, I want to play, which obviously with his voice as a future top five pick that doesn't need to play college football this year it has carried a lot of weight so we'll talk about the Big Ten parents what they're doing will it matter and then of course we'll transition to the SEC great weekend for them as they announced that they plan on releasing their schedule on Monday I will explain why I'm fired up but I also do have some concerns and some fears because I do think the SEC is going to have to take a lot of public arrows in the next couple weeks as they try to push on and obviously there are many powers that be that do not want to see them play, do not want to see them succeed and so I am a little bit worried on that and what I will wrap with is this. Is people that are new to this show, I talk a ton of college hoops on this show. If anything, I'm known a little bit more for the college hoops than the college uh, football. And over the last couple of days, I have gotten a ton of questions about college basketball. Could we potentially figure out a way to do a bubble? And I'll give you all my thoughts on that. But I will just say very quickly, I do not see a scenario where if we do not play football in the fall, that we are going to get basketball until football is back on the field. So we'll get into all that. I'll explain all that. But it is a great show. It has been a great week, a great month. I want to thank all of you for your support. And again, if you know people that would be interested in this, if you know people that need to hear the other side of the story, please share the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast with them. I think people are finding me, are finding this show, and are realizing they're not crazy. We need to at least have a conversation about playing football. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But the idea of canceling on August 10th uh, makes absolutely no sense. So thank you guys again. And I should mention that before we get started, if you're not already subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, maybe you were sent this show by a friend, by a neighbor, by a, a fellow season ticket holder, make sure that you're subscribed. You can do it on iTunes. You can do it on the Podcast Addict app. If you have an Android, Podcast Addict is where you can listen and download this show. Also, Pod Paradise, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, anywhere you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. A lot of you have done that over the last couple days, so thank you for that. But go on Apple Podcasts, go on iTunes, give us a quick five star. If you want to leave a review, let, let people know why you like this show, how you found me, where you're listening. That means a ton. It really does help. Also, if you're not following on social media, shame on you. Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. I've been doing a lot of NBA picks over there, by the way. Uh, so fun time for sports that are back and hopefully college football is next. And finally, if you have any questions for the show, questions for me, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, it doesn't even have to be a question for the show. If there's something that you're thinking or something that you think needs to be shared, always feel free to hit me up there and I will get back to you. And with that said, people, there is no more time to waste, and I want to get right into the story of the weekend, the story that continues to have new tentacles, continues to evolve, continues to change, and that is, of course, what is going on in the Big Ten with the football season in that part of the country. And look, before I get into it, 
Before we break this down from every angle, I want to make the point that I made last week abundantly clear. And again, we have a lot of new listeners. We have a lot of new people downloading this show. And so I want there to be no confusion. People who have listened to this show, people who have come across my work, people who have known my work for years, they will attest to this. I have never once said that I believe that we have to have college football, that we need it. But what I have said is that the idea that the Big Ten would cancel, last se- would cancel this season last week without even attempting to try it, without even having a single padded practice, it is ridiculous. And it is ridiculous in the sense that it's not even as though the reasons that they used made particularly good sense, right? The reason that they use is that it's all about player safety, okay? And if it's all about player safety, Then let me ask a couple simple questions. And I asked him last week, but I just want to reiterate my stance because I don't want anybody saying that Torres is pushing for football and he wants kids to get sick and he doesn't care. It's not that. It's that the reasons that they made the decision to cancel didn't make sense. If the reasons that they canceled made sense, I would be bummed, but I would get it. I get, frankly, why the Pac-12 canceled their season. When half of the campuses aren't open and a bunch of schools can't even get into their facility to work out, it makes it hard to have a football season. I understand why the MAC and the Mountain West and UConn and UMass and New Mexico State have canceled their football season. When you can't afford to test your players safely, it is not only not fair to you, it is not fair to your opponents. So I understand why some things have happened. What I don't understand is what has gone on in the Big Ten where the logic for canceling the season was very simply this. It's about safety issues. It's about safety issues. Now, nobody has come out and explained what those safety issues are. Kevin Warren, the commissioner, has not come out and explained what those safety issues are. Not a single school president that I have seen has speak, spoken on the record about what those safety issues are, but it's safety issues. And where the frustration from people in Big Ten country have come from is, it doesn't make sense. Because if it is about safety issues, as I've discussed over the last week, then let me ask you one very simple question. Why are 13 of the 14 campuses in the Big Ten having in-person learning for their students, for the majority of their student body on campus this fall? As I've said before, it's not every single campus that has 100% classes going in person. Every school is a little bit different. I believe Minnesota is like a 50-50 hybrid. I believe that Iowa is uh, no class over 49 students is allowed to take place. Basically, if it's 50 students or over, um, it, it uh, it goes exclusively online. And so it's not as though we have these big 300 lecture you know, classes everywhere in America in the Big Ten, but when you have 13 of 14 uh, campuses open for in-person teaching, it doesn't make sense that you can't play football. It also doesn't make sense that you can't play football when you're saying it's over safety when you are now going to push to the spring and potentially have two seasons back-to-back. And I give Jeff Brom, the Purdue coach, credit because he did say he did put out a proposal, play eight games in the spring, play whatever, 10 in the fall. You play only 18 games. It's not that much more. But you can't tell me it's about safety if instead of playing 12 games, maybe 13 over the course of a season, you are instead going to now squeeze 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 into a single calendar year. It doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense because football is an inherently dangerous sport. It is an inherently dangerous sport. And so you can't say it's not safe over this virus without having a single padded practice, but then you're going to play. And so that has been my stance all along. That has been my stance late last week when I recorded the last podcast. And apparently somebody agrees with me. 
And when I say somebody, what I really mean is the parents of the Big Ten. Because the parents of the Big Ten have come out this weekend and it is scorched earth, okay? If you have not seen all of these reports that have cropped up over the last couple days, here is what you need to know. The parents of the University of Iowa football players really started this, I believe, maybe even as early as Friday, putting out a joint statement. Uh, I don't know if every parent signed, but essentially it is a big group of them saying, we want answers. We want explanations. We want a Zoom call with Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, explaining what it is that they, why we canceled this season and what are the health risks that you refuse to tell us about, okay? If it's really about this, this heart issue, then you have a responsibility to tell us, but you also have a responsibility to tell the rest of the sports world. You have a responsibility as the NBA plays and the NHL plays and Major League Baseball plays to tell them. It doesn't make sense that you have these crazy, secretive, super important medical documents and you're not sharing them with us. These are our children. These are our children's lives who could potentially be at stake and we need to know what the concerns are. But if there aren't really concerns, if there aren't really medical concerns beyond what we already know, then you need to let our boys play. That was what Iowa's uh, parents said essentially earlier this weekend. And then, oh, by the way, not sure if you saw, Ohio State's parents said the same thing. Then Penn State's parents. Then Nebraska's parents. Then Michigan's parents spearheaded by uh, Christian McCaffrey's brother, who, of course, plays quarterback in Michigan, Dylan McCaffrey. His mom spearheaded the Michigan campaign. And so now the Big Ten has a giant cluster, a giant cluster. And let me stay, say this before I get into all of the dynamics of it. I give the Big Ten parents so much credit, and I will tell you why. It is because, as I have told you on this show before, I believe that this narrative has been hijacked over the last two, three, four weeks dating even back into the middle of July, early July. And what I mean by that is this. Throughout the offseason, obviously, look, the conversation has changed a million ways in positive ways and negative ways, right? Like in March, we thought we might never leave our house again. In April, it was kind of just craziness. What's going on? We don't know. By May, it felt like there were some positives. By June, players were back on campus. Early June, we start having positive tests when players return. Everybody freaks out. Things calm down. On and on and on and on and on. But by about early to middle of July, I started getting a sentiment from the parents that I talked to across college football. And it wasn't just the Big Ten, but it was all across the country is that we actually feel like our, our boys, our sons, are being taken well care of on campus. And in many cases, as we've discussed on this show, they're actually safer with the school than they are with us at home. Because we have uh, grandma and grandpa living with us. We have three other younger kids all sharing a bedroom. We have seven people living in a two-bedroom apartment. It's actually safer with my son, back at school. Now, not every parent has expressed that. Not every school has done a spectacular job handling this situation, but the vast majority of parents have, uh, have, have felt that way, have said that, have said, I feel safe based on what I know now, letting my son play football. That's great. That's good. That's awesome. And that was the sentiment that I was hearing all summer. And you can go back. July 10th, I put out a tweet that said that. It is in my timeline. I just reshared it over the weekend. July 10th was the first time that I was saying, you know, the parents I talked to say the kids are being taken pretty good care of. 
And the parents have been saying that, the parents have been believing that, and there has been growing frustration from the parents over the last couple weeks of like, why is this not being talked about? Why is this not being shared? Why is the media only talking about positive tests rather than the University of Michigan where there were 893 tests and only 11 players test positive? What about Notre Dame that's done hundreds of tests and it's only a handful of positives? What about Oklahoma that had a bunch of positives when they returned to campus and then when they were in that bubble-like environment, basically had zero positive tests. And we're going to get to Oklahoma in a minute because there was some stuff that happened there this weekend. But the parents were, like, why is this not being discussed? But parents have other responsibilities. They have other jobs. They, 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 They have real jobs. They have other children to take care of. They have bigger worries than just what the media is saying about it or what, whatever. But I, I heard from parents like, dude, why is no one talking about this? The schools are doing a great job. Uh, I'm not saying I specifically talked to an Ohio State parent or a Michigan parent, but like those schools are doing a good job. I don't think anyone took this more seriously than these schools because the coaches, the player personnel people, everybody in that building knew what was at stake. And so the parents kind of backed off. They didn't say anything. They kept their mouth shut because they figured at some point that narrative would come out, that these schools are actually doing a really awesome job of testing, and we should celebrate it. We should say good things about the schools, and instead it never came out. And instead, not only did it not come out, did cooler heads not prevail, but the season was completely canceled without any really good explanation. And so first off, I give the parents so much credit for just putting their voice together, putting it on a piece of paper, and saying, no. We're not going to let you steal the narrative. We're not going to let you say things that aren't true about the situations on these campuses. We do want to play. Our boys, we do feel our boys are safe. We do feel like the best place they can be is playing football. And I give them so much credit for that reason. I also, although I've talked about it before, I give Justin Fields a ton of credit. For people who did not see this on Sunday, Justin Fields, the quarterback at Ohio State, potential top five pick, came out with a big statement basically saying, I want to play football. And it goes back to last Sunday with Trevor Lawrence and with Justin Fields and with Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle at Oregon. These guys came out, the biggest voices in college football, and said, we want to play. Justin Fields is doing more to save the season in the Big Ten than anybody. Because if Justin Fields doesn't speak out, it doesn't carry the same weight. If Justin Fields just says, you know what, I'm just going to go get ready for the draft, screw these guys, that, does, that, that you lose all of the momentum. And so I give that kid so much credit because he could be a millionaire. He could, if he wanted to, just start training for the NFL draft and put all this behind him and put this chaos behind him and put all these headaches behind him and just say, you know what, screw this, man. I'm out. I don't care. I'm not dealing with this crap. But he's being what we ask of our young men all the time, right? We talk about college athletes and you have a voice and use it and stand up for what you believe in. This kid is standing up for what he believes in and I give him so much credit. And in the process, it's a lot like the parents. He's completely squashing this narrative that kids don't want to play, that they don't feel safe, that colleges are exploiting them. If colleges were exploiting Justin Fields, why would he want to play? He wants to play because this means something to him, because it means something to his teammates, because he knows how hard his teammates have worked to get to this point, and because he knows that his voice carries weight that others don't. And he knows that while he will be a millionaire in April, 
while he has a chance to potentially be, I think, no, you know, he could be as high as the number two pick in the draft. I don't know if he's going ahead of Trevor Lawrence, but he has the chance to change the livelihoods of his teammates and teammates or, or guys that are on opposing rosters, right? Justin Fields is going to be fine. But there are a lot of guys that if they do not play this season, their entire livelihoods could change. Their entire lives can change. Joe Burrow came out last week and said, if I didn't play football last season, if we didn't have a season, I might be looking for a job right now. And so credit to Justin Fields because he does understand that. And credit to the parents for saying, no, 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 no. You are not going to steal this narrative. You are not going to silence us. You are not going to cancel this season and not give us a good explanation. And so I give these parents so much credit, and I'll tell you this, I am so fascinated to see what happens next. First of all, I'll say this, and I know you guys know this because we have a lot of young people that coach you sports, that coach college sports. We have a couple college basketball coaches that I know listen to this show. We got people that work in sports, and sometimes it's youth sports, sometimes you're a volunteer coach. But first of all, I'll tell you this, Hell hath no fury like some scorned parents, right? We've all coached, we've all umpired, we've all refereed, we've all been around our son or daughter's games. Woo! I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm just going to tell you. There is no worse group to be on the wrong side of than these parents. And I do believe that these parents are not going to give up until at the very least they get some definitive answers. And again, I give them so much credit because they deserve these answers. They deserve to know what's going on. They deserve to know why the, the season was canceled, and they deserve to have a face explain it to them, not some vague report that goes out through Twitter from um, a college football writer or whatever. Like, they deserve answers. They deserve real definitive reasons as to why this season was canceled, why their son's livelihoods have been changed, and what is going to happen going forward. Now, do I think it is ultimately going to work? I don't know. I don't know. I saw one of these reports from throughout the weekend in which uh, I think his name is Tom Diehard or Dinehart, or he's somebody that's been around college football forever, and somebody asked him or he asked somebody in the Big Ten, do you believe that there is a way for the Big Ten to save their season. And he just said, the person that he texted basically said, look, I don't think it's at all possible because a lot of people would have to admit that they were wrong on this topic. Now, I've heard varying things. I've heard other people say, this is actually rattling the Big Ten office and maybe there's a way that these teams can play in the fall. I don't know. I'm just telling you, I have heard all spectra, you know, all... Um, the whole spectrum of options going forward, but I kind of do agree with this narrative that a lot of people would have to admit they were wrong for, uh, for this season to happen. But I give the parents so much credit because, as I said, they took back the narrative. And most importantly, and this is the part that I think we have to hit on, not only the parents, not only the players, the fans, the coaches, whomever, they deserve answers, okay? And not only do they deserve answers, you know who else deserves an answer on this topic? SEC football players, Big Big 12 football players, ACC football players. They deserve an answer on this topic, and here's why, and let me explain. It's because, as I said, the Big 10 canceled this season for vague, quote-unquote, safety reasons, and because of this big, sweeping, scary medical report 
that nobody really knows exactly what it was or what it said or what it means. And so I will even defend, uh, not even defend, but I'll bring up Greg Sankey. If you remember when the Big Ten canceled its season, Greg Sankey came out and said, honestly, the first line in his sentence was, I look forward to seeing what the Big Ten's, what the Big Ten has access to that we don't that allowed them to cancel the season. And essentially what he was trying to say was, look, if you guys really have something that is that scary that you have to cancel the season on August 10th or August 11th, then we want to see it because we want to keep our players safe. We want to keep our players safe. We want to keep the opponents safe. We want to keep the Big 12 safe. We want to keep the ACC safe. And so to me, that is where the parents are coming from, is they're saying, we just want an answer. Again, for the thousandth time, I know I've said it, I apologize, but no one is saying we have to play football. It needs to happen. There's no excuse. But to cancel the season under these vague uh, you know, safety issues and then not give definitives, that's not fair. That's not fair to the players. That's not fair to the parents. That's not fair, fair to the fans. It's also not fair to players in the SEC, ACC, Big 12. You know who else it's not fair to? How about the NBA? How about the NHL? How about Major League Baseball? How about the MLS? How about the English Premier League and the Bundesliga in Germany? If there is some report that the Big Ten is sitting on that forced them to cancel this season, then yes, the public deserves to know. The players deserve to know so they can get closure. The parents deserve to know so that they can give their own sons closure. The fans deserve to know to know that their schools really do have the players' best interests at heart, but also... All these other athletes are taking the court, taking the field, taking the ice. And so, yes, the Big Ten does owe an explanation because, again, if it is that scary, if it is that bad, then I'm, I'm guessing, guess what? I'm guessing the Big Ten, or excuse me, I'm guessing the NHL wants to know. I'm guessing the NBA wants to know because they are putting those athletes out there. And I understand there's differences between college and pros and there's players union and everything's negotiated and all that stuff. But I don't think it changes the simple concept that if the Big Ten has some piece of information that is so damning, I'm pretty sure the NHL wants to know it so they can make the smart decision going forward on the health of their players. And so to me, I give the parents so much credit. I give the players so much credit. I don't know if it makes a difference. But the one thing that we can see definitively they are not giving up the fight, and they are not ready to go down without swinging, and I just give them so much credit because I do think the Big Ten owes us some answers. It was funny, right? And then we're going to get to the SEC in a minute, but I had a, a friend reach out to me, a listener of this show. Shout out, JT. I know you listen to every episode. JT asked me point blank. He's like, does, does the Big Ten owe everyone these medical documents? And at first I said, you know, I don't know, but one, yes, they do, JT, but you know what else they owe? They owe a public face, they owe someone coming out, and they, they owe someone explaining why this decision was made and why it was the right decision. And I know I've said it a hundred times, but if there was a logical, medically-based reason to cancel the season, we deserve to know. But to cancel the season without a single padded practice and with so much vagueness is not fair. And listen, we're going to get into the SEC in a minute, but we are going to find out in the coming weeks as to whether we can actually play football with this virus specifically on college campuses. But to not give the, the players answers, to not give the parents answers, I'm just telling you this is a cluster. It is not going away. Uh, the parents are mobilizing. The parents are coming together. The players are coming together. And I am just not sold that we have seen the end of this story. But at the very least, they are not going to go down fighting.
All right, let's transition to, I guess, some positive news, and that's what's going on in the SEC. And it is positive news because, as I've said on this show, I give so much credit to Greg Sankey because I truly believe that he has been a man of his word. He has practiced what he has preached. And when I say that, I am saying that essentially that everything that he has promised he would do, he has lived up to that promise. And again, I know I just said it 37 times, but we are going to find out in the coming weeks whether we can actually pull off college football or not. But what Greg Sankey has said from the beginning is we are going to take our time. We are going to be patient. We are going to be calm. We are not going to make any sweeping, crazy decisions because this is a big picture topic that has so many ramifications that we can't even talk about. And it's the ramifications that a lot of people know about, the economic ramifications, the ramifications of, as I just mentioned a minute ago with the players, the idea that many of them, their livelihoods will be forever changed if we don't play college football this year, about the fact that other Olympic sports and small school sports could be changed. And so um, Greg Sankey's just said, like, look, I'm not saying we're getting football. What I'm saying is, let's just cross every bridge, let's, let's check every box that we can before we determine that we can't do it. Um, and I think that's the right move, right? I, I think it's perfectly logical. I've said on this show a million times, no matter what you do, you want to gather as much information as possible. When you buy a house, you don't just uh, drive down the street and see a for sale sign and say, I'm taking it. You get an inspection, you check out the schools, you check out the neighborhood, you find out about the former owner, you find out if there's any structural issues. Like, like, like there's a lot of steps before you just decide, I'm going to buy that house, right? And that is where so much of the frustration was with, with the Big Ten, is the idea that there were so many steps that could have been done before they canceled the season. And so I give the SEC credit, and I give the SEC credit because now they're just kind of, what they're just doing is Greg Sankey is taking Kevin Warren's face and just shoving it in the sand, uh, in the sandbox on the playground at recess, right? Like, like the Big Ten has infighting out the you-know-what, and uh, Greg Sankey's just like, yeah, you know, while you guys all revolt and do that whole thing, uh, yeah, we're just going to release our schedule on Monday night. And so for people who uh, did not see this, and I'm guessing most of you have at this point, uh, the SEC on went on Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern will go ahead and release the game-by-game, week-by-week schedules. And of course, that comes after the schedule has been altered. They went to a league-only schedule. They added two cross-rival games, cross-division games. Uh, I know we've got a lot of Arkansas fans that listen to this show who are pissed because they got Georgia and Florida added to the schedule. Missouri got L. LSU and Bama. So uh, it's a surreal time in college sports, uh, but the SEC is pressing on. And I give them so much credit, but I will also say this, is that this weekend did have me worried about SEC football and college football as a whole, and I will tell you why. It is because I realized that every single negative headline over the next couple weeks will be used against the SEC, ACC, Big 12, and college football in general. And it goes back to what we have talked about for a few weeks, right? The reason the SEC decided to push back their season until September 26th was for some very logical reasons. It's as I just said a minute ago. It is to give them more time 
to evaluate everything, right? It's to give them time to collect data. It's to give them time to see how the NFL handles training camps and padded practices and in the facility, going home, away from the facility. It is to give them time for when students come back to campus uh, and how does the infection rate go up? Greg Sankey has said we expect infections to go up when students return to campus. We want to see how much it is and if it's still safe to play football. So these are all the reasons why we decided to push back to September 26th. They were the right reasons by the SEC. But while they were the right reasons, what also scares me is this. The SEC pushed back their schedule, what, four extra weeks? We were supposed to start August 29th. We were supposed to start college football, not this coming Saturday, but the following one. Now we have to wait five weeks for SEC football. Thankfully, the Big 12 appears ready to play some games on September 12th, but that is still a long time. That is still a long time for us to fe- for, 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 for stuff to go wrong, right? And so that is what has me worried right now, is that with three extra weeks until SEC football, every time there's a negative headline, People are going to tell you this is why you can't play college football. And it started this weekend. If you were on social media, if you were just following the headlines, Notre Dame, kids moved into campus last week. They had a big party. Oh, my God, there's 30 positive tests, this and that. Everyone freaks out. Oh, my God, there's positive tests at Notre Dame. It sucks. I feel bad. I wish nobody tested positive. I wish kids were a little bit more responsible, although honestly, I can't say that I would have stayed away from parties if I was 18, 19, 20 years old, but we were expecting this. But no, 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 no. Now we got positives. Now everybody's freaking out. Now we can't play college football. Same with North Carolina. Bunch of cluster positives in this dorm and that dorm. And oh my God, we can't play college football. It's not safe. I don't know. We'll find out. But again, this is the reaction to this. How about what happened in Oklahoma? Oh my God, I got into it on social media with this Oklahoma stuff. So Oklahoma test their football team on Saturday, or they tested them Friday, results come back Saturday. They have nine positive tests. Everyone in the media freaks out. I saw two, three, four prominent media members. Oklahoma, nine positive tests. Did they mention that Oklahoma had the week off from football? Did they mention that... 25% of the team left town to go home? Did they mention that the other 75% weren't getting tested, were hanging around town, weren't doing what they were supposed to do? And as Lincoln Riley said, the positives were quote-unquote community-based positives, which means that it was kids going into the community doing stuff that they shouldn't have done? No, they didn't. And that was what was frustrating to me is if you're going to share the news about nine positive tests, you have to say that the team was off and they, a lot of them had left campus. And so I just think that what is going to be so fascinating is to see what happens in the coming weeks with these negative storylines and how it impacts the coverage of college football. Because you know, I'm not saying this media, doesn't, media member doesn't want college football or that media member doesn't, but what we know, there are certain media members that are more inclined to share negative stories about positive tests and things of that nature. There are certain media members outside of sports that don't believe college football should be played. There are certain media members that... Um, that are you know in the political whatever whatever I'm not trying to get, get, get too far off topic here, but there are a lot of people that at the very least have concerns and they don't want co- or, or at the very least have concerns and at the worst simply don't want college football played. And so that is why these next two or three weeks are so important. First off, 
the players are actually going to start practicing. Well, actually, to go even back a step, there's a lot of campuses that are just now moving in. So I know this weekend, the University of Alabama moved in, Auburn moved in, Kentucky moved in, Oklahoma moved in. So one, we now have students returning to campus. We've been talking for months. What happens when you get all these kids back on campus? Well, right now, we're about to find out. That is one. Two, a lot of these teams are going to padded practices. Fall camp is officially underway starting this week. I saw Tennessee is starting on Monday. Many other schools are starting Monday. Can we safely play this sport in this era with this virus? We're going to find out over these next couple weeks. So students are back. Padded practices have started. All of the stuff that we've been talking about for four, five, six weeks now since the players returned, it is go time. And my bigger fear than just one incident is how the coverage happens. Because what is going to happen, we are going to have more cluster tests on these campuses. We are going to have players that get sick, players that have to quarantine, players that are exposed and test positive. And what is the coverage going to be? That is my big fear, is that every negative headline is going to be used against college football. I hope Greg Sankey holds strong. I hope the Big 12 holds strong. I hope the ACC holds strong and at least finds out, right? For the millionth time, for the last time. We don't know if, if it can be played. We don't know if this sport can be played under these conditions. But we got to find out. We got to try. These coming weeks are going to be so important. And I just really, really, really hope that these headlines are not used against these conference schools. And I do believe the SEC is going to do everything they can to play. But they've got to avoid and they've got to hope that the, negative, the avalanche of negative headlines doesn't overwhelm them. All right, final topic and I'll get out of here. Busy day for AT. Busy day for AT. And the final topic of today is very simply this. The final topic of today is college basketball. And as many of you know, big college basketball guy. Not sure if you heard. Pretty good at this stuff. Pretty good. They call me Nostratoris. Talk a lot about college basketball on this show. Have a lot of college basketball coaches. Might have another big one coming on later this week. We'll find out. Stay tuned. May have another big coach coming on. Big coach. Coach you'll want to listen to. Big coach. But outside of what I've just talked about with the SEC and more specifically the Big Ten and the Big Ten parents, probably the number one topic that I get asked about is, well, what's going to happen to college basketball? And I see all these people weighing in, writers that I like, writers that I respect. Rob Douster, who was just on the show a few weeks ago, uh, has had some thoughts about it. Bobby Regan, Regs from Barstool, who's a good friend of mine, had some thoughts about it. Jeff Goodman. And the one prevailing sentiment is the idea of a bubble in college basketball. And what I can definitively tell you, what I can definitively tell you, when those guys, when John Rothstein, who comes on this show all the time, when those guys talk about a bubble in college basketball, th those conversations are definitely happening. Those conversations are definitely happening as we speak. I can tell you, I tweeted this out. My understanding, I've talked to two people involved in Big East basketball that have basically said preliminary things have been done to set up a potential bubble for the Big East in Omaha, Nebraska. And for people who don't know, Omaha is home to Creighton University. Creighton, of course, is in the Big East. Big East tri-champion last year along with Villanova and Seton Hall. And Creighton could potentially host a bubble for the Big East. Creighton plays in a big arena, and it actually... 
much like Rupp Arena in Kentucky, there's actually a hotel attached to the arena. There's multiple conference rooms, multiple ballrooms, and there's a crap ton of regular hotel rooms. And so in theory, you could bring the entire conference of the Big East to one hotel room. They would never have to leave the hotel. They could play games in the arena. And I'll be honest, I haven't gotten far enough to know, is it going to be in November? Is it going to be in January? Is it going to be for a week? Is it going to be for three weeks? But what I am telling you is those conversations have happened. But while I think everyone is trying to figure out bubble scenarios for college basketball, Mark Emmert talked about it last week as well. By the way, did you see that video of Mark Emmert? Oh my goodness, that guy looked like the Crypt Keeper. He looked like the Crypt Keeper. I had to turn it off. I couldn't watch it. He scared me. He gave me nightmares. Neither here nor there. But Mark Emmert's talking about bubbles, 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 bubbles. The one answer that I have not had from anyone in college sports is this. If we just determined that it isn't safe to play college football for these mysterious health reasons that the Big Ten has, which we just talked about, how is it going to be safe to play college basketball? And essentially beyond that, how about this? How is the liability going to be any different, right? Because like what this ultimately all comes down to is liability. We've talked about it. I don't need to re-litigate and rehash and re-talk about it too much. But essentially, the reason the Big Ten decided not to play is because they're scared that if something happens to one of their players, either on the field or long-term repercussions that we can't possibly know about now, that this player or the family could potentially sue the school, sue the conference, sue whoever. It's about liability. It's about making sure players are safe. It's about making sure that they can't go go and have legal action against you later on down the road. Makes sense. In many ways, I actually do defend the conferences on that. But my question for every college basketball coach and every college basketball administrator and people that I talk to, if we can't play college football because of liability issues, how are we going to play college basketball? And it's an answer that nobody has a, no, nobody ha, it's a question nobody has an answer to. And I feel bad. Look, so many of you love college basketball. We got Tennessee fans coming off potentially one of the most talented rosters in school history. John Calipari has said that he loves the roster that he has for this year. He thinks they can win a national championship. Arkansas, most excitement for Arkansas basketball this century, I would say, coming into 2020 with all the new players that they have. A lot of fan bases who listen to this show, a lot of excitement. But I don't understand how college basketball can be played, even in a bubble, if we determine that it's not safe to play college football. And everyone says, well, you know, it's different. It's in a bubble and they could test and there's nobody coming in from the outside. Like, I get that. I get that. I understand the concept that the bubble is different than having kids on campus. But it doesn't answer the simple question of how does liability change? Maybe we'll have my buddy Dan Lust, the lawyer, on in the coming days to try and figure out some of the answers to this question. But I just don't understand how the liability is any different in college basketball than it would be in college football. And so, look, I've explained on this show over and over again why I believe college basketball can work. As I've said, college basketball can almost create a bubble on campus starting in November because most campuses are going to close for the first semester at Thanksgiving break, which means that from basically mid-November until mid-January, we got two months where nobody would be on campus. And so that's a bubble, right? You don't even need to go anywhere. Just take buses, be safe, travel responsibly. You can have games on campus. No fans in the stands probably, but you can have games on campus. 
That's what college basketball should do. But I just don't understand how you can play games in basketball and say that it's safe and say there's no liability when you can't play football. If it's really about this, this mysterious heart issue that has everybody worried, well, guess what? College basketball, basketball in general, is just as heavy on the heart, just as much exertion on the heart as football is. And so as far as basketball was concerned, maybe you'll disagree. Maybe we have lawyers who listen to the show. By the way, if, you, if you're a lawyer, always feel free to DM me or, or send me an email at Aaron Torres, podcast questions at gmail.com, and I want your input on this. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, because I'm just a knucklehead sports writer, and I'm talking to knucklehead college basketball coaches, but I just don't see how the liability issue changes. And so what I have said and what I truly believe, and to all those fan bases that are listening, Michigan State, we got some Michigan State fans that listen. They're going to be really good. Indiana, we got Indiana fans that listen. They're going to be good. Iowa, we got people on the Iowa basketball staff that listen. This might be the best Iowa basketball team in 30 years. Arkansas, Tennessee, UCLA. I know we got some UCLA fans that listen. UCLA is going to be the favorite in the Pac-12. The piece of advice that I would give to you is very simply this. I want you to go, go to bed tonight. I want you to get down on your knees. I want you to put your elbows on the bed. And I want you to say a small prayer that SEC football figures out a way to play a game. Because I am a firm believer, and maybe I'll be proven wrong. I do not believe that we will get a single college basketball game until we get football on the field. Because I don't believe that you can have no football because of liability. And there are no liability issues with basketball. And now look, could in theory they both start around January 1st and you know college basketball gets onto the court a week or two before football? Absolutely. So when I say there's no chance for basketball without football, I'm not saying um, you know there's not the possibility that basketball could start on a Thursday and we get college football the following Saturday. But what I am saying is we need college football to work. We need college football to prove that it is safe that we can move past the liability issues and that we can play college sports because I don't believe that if we don't get football this fall, I don't believe we get basketball at least until January 1st if we have a spring football season. And if we have no spring football, I don't believe we're going to have college basketball in 2021. I hope I'm wrong. But again, everybody I talk to keeps telling me about this bubble. But I need to see something beyond the bubble that explains to me why the liability is different. Again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I am wrong. But that is what my understanding of where we are with college basketball, we will have to see. All right. I think that is all for today's Aerator Sports Podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank you guys for being a part of this show, for tweeting at me, for thanking me, for telling me, DMing me privately, telling me that, that you appreciate what I do. Uh, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you a ton. By the way, by the way, speaking of basketball, quick shout out to Tennessee. Kennedy Chandler, number one point guard in America, committed to Tennessee over the course of this weekend. Shout out to Tennessee. Rick Barnes, as I said, friend of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. If you're new to this show, Rick Barnes has been on this show. He was on in April, I believe. We did 45 minutes. It was one of the most fun interviews I've ever done. Landed Kennedy Chandler, number one point guard in the country. I, I can tell you this. I don't know if I've ever seen a program go from A to B as quickly as Tennessee has gone from A to B on the basketball court. And what I mean by that is this. Never forget, it was five years ago. Tennessee finished 12th in the SEC. And they finished 12th in the SEC, by the way. And I'm doing this all off the top of my head, so shout out to AT because this is just complete spitballing here. 
But they did it 12th in the SEC with really nobody, there was really no reason for excitement as far as the program's concerned, right? And it's really funny because I had Auburn fans chirping at me, well, we went from this place to this place, but Auburn was recruiting well. Auburn was bringing in top 10, top 15 classes. Tennessee was bringing in Grant Williams, who was kind of chubby, who Rick Barnes said that, not me, so I'm not going to feel guilty about that. Admirable, Admiral Schofield, Jordan Bone, I mean, guys that nobody knew anything about. So to go from that to an SEC regular season championship to a Sweet 16 two seasons ago to where they are now is incredible. And where they are is they just brought in the number four recruiting class in the country in college basketball uh, this past season, and they will bring in another good class next year with Kennedy Chandler, the top point guard in high school basketball. And so to see them go from 12th or 13th, whatever it was, five years ago with no real hope that they were going to be significantly better anytime soon to where they are now, which is coming off an SEC championship, a Sweet 16 berth in the last three years, and then to have the number four recruiting class in the country, Jaden Springer, the star this year, and Kennedy Chandler next year, whoo! Things are moving in the right direction for Tennessee. I give them so much credit. Rick Barnes, just a good, um, you know, he's just at this point, like the, 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 the resume kind of speaks for itself, right? Like this is a guy that was at Texas for a million years. He built up Providence. He built up Clemson. He won at Clemson, okay? If you can win at Clemson, you can win anywhere in power basketball. Now he's at Tennessee. And I'll say this, by the way, also, quick shout out to the University of Texas because never forget, they fired Rick Barnes because they believed that Rick Barnes, while he was making the NCAA tournament, 16 NCAA tournament appearances in 17 years, if my math is correct, he wasn't winning enough when he got there. And so they let him go. They bring in Shaka Smart and have a grand total of zero NCAA tournament wins since. Tennessee, of course, has three, including a Sweet 16 run. Coming off a top five recruiting class, Kennedy Chandler, the number one point guard in America, commits to Tennessee. Whew, I just kind of threw that in there off the top. I completely forgot. I've so, been so busy trying to save college football, I forgot that Tennessee got the number one recruit in the country at point guard in Kennedy Chandler. So that's it, I promise. That is all for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. And if you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. Make sure to subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. As I've said, if you have friends that would like this, so many of you guys are in college, you're sharing it with your buddies, you're shooting them a DM, follow this kid Torres. He's kind of crazy. He's a little bit out there sometimes, but he loves college football. He loves college basketball, and he's passionate about it. So thank you all for what you do for this show. And if you have friends that you think would like this, if you have friends that you think need to hear this, if you're an Ohio State fan and you're part of one of those crazy Buckeye message boards and you're looking for somebody to fight for you, Share this on that message board. Let people know that there are guys like me out there in the media that are fighting to save college football. So thank you guys. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for everything you do. And of course, if you're not following on social media, make sure to do so. Uh, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Also, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram, doing all sorts of stuff on Instagram. But that is all for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I will be back who knows when. The plan is Thursday, but who knows if some craziness is going to happen. I'll have to come back Tuesday and Wednesday. But 
That is all for today's show. I will be back later this week at some point. Plan for Thursday. Be ready for me to go earlier. But that is all for today's show. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. And I will be back later this week. <laughs>